Thank you, Patrick. My name is Barry Levinson, and I am the founder and curator of National Mustard Museum located in Middleton, Wisconsin. We have the world's largest collection of mustards and mustard memorabilia. We have over 6,300 different mustards from all over the world, and mustard pots, mustard tins, mustard advertising, mustard everything that goes back centuries. We've been holding court really since 1992 when we opened, and we've not looked back since. And people often ask, well, why? <laughs> and that's a good question. That's, that's my starting question. Why? Well, I grew up in Massachusetts, and of course, that means I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I used to go to Fenway Park uh, with my dad uh, many times, but they never won a World Series in my life. Uh, they came very close in 1967, pushed the World Series to seven games, but they lost. 1975 was a year when they lost in seven games to the Cincinnati Reds. 1986 looked really promising, and I was already out here in Wisconsin. My job was to, to essentially represent the state criminal cases before the state court of appeals, the state Supreme court. I was indeed a lawyer. But of course, when the Red Sox were in the World Series, lawyering was not on my mind. So it went to seven games. Actually, six games. It, it should have ended with the sixth game because they were ahead going into the bottom of the 10th inning. They had scored two runs. And then civilization as we knew it ended it because the, the Mets, for some reason, even though there were two outs, nobody on, they came up three runs, broke my heart, but there was still a seventh game. And they lost. So I was devastated. Even though I practiced law, my, my thoughts were, of course, with my disappointment. So I couldn't sleep. It was October 28, 1986, uh, early in the morning, could not sleep. So I got in the car and drove to an all-night supermarket where I decided I would just walk, walk up and down the aisles, contemplating the meaning of life and figuring out I, I, I needed to do something. And I figured, I need a hobby. I will collect some. I had no idea what it was. So I recall pushing an empty cart, tears running down my cheeks, and going up and down the aisles. Finally, I turned down condiment aisle. And I remember passing the ketchups and the olives, relishes, pickles, the mayos, nothing. Suddenly, I was in front of the mustards, and I heard a voice. It said, if you collect us, they will come. Barry, I'm from Iowa, so please don't use that expression freely. Ask permission. <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened, though. It was 2.30 a.m., and I decided I'm going to collect mustards. It's not that I chose mustard. I think it was really mustards that chose me. I think I bought about 10 or 12 jars of mustard, and I figured, well, I'll never be lonely again. This will be my, my hobby. I will collect jars of mustard. I had no idea how many there were. I bought 10 or 12 then. I remember Plockman's mustard was one of the first, uh, if not the first, that I grabbed off the shelf. Uh, and they're still around today. A few of the mustards are no longer uh, available anymore. They're no longer being made. But I said, okay, I will never be lonely again because I will join forces with all the other mustard collectors in the world. And uh, I'll, perhaps I will meet at the annual convention. 
Well, I didn't know that there were no other mustard collectors. That was it. So I figured, okay, this is my hobby. But I did not quit my job. This was 1986. I, I didn't quit then. I figured I need at least another sign. Got one. I got another sign that it was time to quit, that it, soon I should be quitting running a museum dedicated to mustard. And that was five or six months later. And I had the opportunity to be arguing a case at the United States Supreme Court. It was a Fourth Amendment case of some significance. Obviously, if it's at the U.S. Supreme Court, it's an important case. And it's what happened on the way to the court that kind of turned my life around. I was staying at the Hyatt in Washington, D.C. As I was leaving my room, running a little bit late cab, get over to the Supreme Court to register in and to do my oral argument. I saw on this discarded room service tray a little jar of mustard, and it was one that I didn't recognize. It still had the safety seal on it, so I'm facing an ethical dilemma because this is a mustard that the hotel probably reused, even though they weren't expecting to get it back because the safety seal was still on it. It was a full jar. So I'm facing this ethical dilemma. Would it be theft, I asked myself, to take this jar of mustard that the hotel was not expecting to get back but could reuse. So I think I did what every good lawyer would have done. I just took it because no one was watching. I brought it with me. I didn't have time to go back to my room, so I brought it with me to the U.S. Supreme Court, and I argued that case, Griffin versus Wisconsin, a very important Fourth Amendment case, with that jar of mustard in my pocket. And even though this was a case that all my colleagues said no way you're going to win this. I won by a five to four vote. Mustard had something to do with it. At that point, I said, I've got a plot and plan. One day, I'm going to open this museum dedicated to mustard. And I finally did that. A few years later, 1991, I quit my job, which is tantamount, I think, to jumping out of a, uh, an airplane without a parachute. Probably the most ridiculous thing I ever did. My friends, my parents, relatives, everybody said, you are crazy. You, you had a perfectly good job, great benefits, and this is what you're doing? I said, yes, I just have to do it. I've got to do it. And I opened the museum in nearby Mount Horeb. It became the Mount Horeb Mustard Museum. And we now have over 6,000, 6,300 different mustards from all over the world. And the museum is, is actually a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So if you're listening, feel free to donate because we need your help. We don't charge admission. And we have a book called The Art of Mustard. We published it last year in 2020. And it has got over 600 photos beautifully laid out of old mustard tins, mustard jars, mustard from all over the world. We have a section on mustard and medicine. You may recall before we had aspirin and antibiotics, Doctors would use mustard ointments, mustard rubs, uh, mustard everything in the healing arts. So uh, it, it's just one of those things that people do come. We, we see about 35,000 people a year to experience everything mustard. It's just one of those things that I can't explain why people come. I sometimes get up in the morning and say, did I really start a mustard museum? Is this really what I did? And the answer is yes. And I don't look back. I haven't practiced law for over, what, 35 years now? I do teach at the law school, and we've talked about this, Patrick. Um, I teach food law because I wrote a book called Habeas Codfish, all about food and the law. Because we've also got a new program. A new program that we're embarking on 
It's called Mustard for Munchkins. And what it is, is a program where we reach out to school groups and youth organizations and bring the Mustard Museum experience to them. Because we have found a lot of school groups and youth organizations would love to come to the Mustard Museum. They've heard about it. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's too expensive. Certainly for schools, getting a bus involves something that is just too difficult. So we are uh, embarking on the Mustard for Munchkins program where we can bring the mustard experience out to schools. Little children sometimes just don't eat mustard. Something about this country that they seem to prefer that evil red condiment instead. Did you know, Patrick, by the way, that according to the National Condiment Research Council annual report, ketchup is now the leading cause of childhood stupidity in America? We are doing what we can. Also, a way of teaching children about other things. For example, we have mustard from over 90 different countries. And if we show them a mustard, let's also show them a map of the world and ask them to say, do you know where this country is? So, for example, do you know where Turkmenistan is? So, do we have a mustard from Turkmenistan? No and yes. There are no mustards made in Turkmenistan. So why do I show a picture of a mustard from Turkmenistan? If there are none, what I do is I show them a picture of a man. And his name is Alan Mustard. For real. Alan Mustard, he was the U.S. ambassador to Turkmenistan. So I guess you could say he is our Turkmenistan mustard. We have a picture of uh, Alan Uh, He actually came to visit the Mustard Museum. That's what the Mustard Museum is. And again, we welcome people to to visit. You can also uh, find out more about the book. We also have a game called Please Pass the Mustard that we've created that also supports the nonprofit. You know, we have a lot of fun with with Mustard. it's, it's It's a museum with a sense of humor, but also it is a sense of purpose. And, you know, we we do want people to learn about the history of mustard, the art of mustard, uh, and the culture of mustard, because it goes back uh, really a very long way. Uh, And people sometimes say, you know, well, what have you learned from all this? Well, I guess there are three. Uh, One of them is that there are no bad ideas. You know, they may be impractical. They may be too expensive to execute. But... If you're coming up with ideas, let yourself go. Just do it. Uh, And you may find that some just aren't going to work out, but there are no bad ideas. So that's something I've learned years. Uh, So we've had a lot of fun with mustard, but it's it's something that is growing. Uh, We also host uh, National Mustard Day. We've been doing that uh, since we opened. Uh, and it is celebrated annually on the first Saturday in August, where we have a giant street festival, uh, and it's it's really a big thing. We we usually get about six thousand people uh, to come. We have live music, mustard games, um, things like um, mustard ring toss, uh, the mustard spinning wheel. Uh, so it's just a fun thing. We also host what's called the Worldwide Mustard Competition. Uh, And we've been doing this for over 25 years now, where mustards from all over the world are uh, come here, and they are judged blind. Uh, 
uh, in 17 different categories because mustard is not a one-dimensional condiment at all. So, for example, there would be sweet hot mustards, sweet mild mustards, honey mustards, uh, classic Dijon mustards, grainy mustards, uh, classic hot mustards. Uh, let me see, what else? Oh, um, mild pepper mustards, hot pepper mustards, horseradish mustards, uh, herb and veggie mustards, fruit mustards, spirit mustards, deli mustards, American yellow mustards. So there's all kinds. There's 17 different categories. Uh, and one is for mustard-based barbecue sauces. And one of the winners uh, in previous years was a mustard called Stormin' Sauce. And it's called Stormin' Sauce because the maker of it is none other than Stormin Gorman Thomas. And if you're a baseball fan, you'll remember Gorman Thomas. He played for the Brewers. He played for a couple of other teams as well. But he was the American League home run leader in 1979 and 1982. Uh, and he makes mustard now uh, in his retirement. Uh, so we've got that as well. Uh, and uh, the gift shop, they sell about uh, 150 or 200, well, I think uh, more than 200 different mustards. Uh, my understanding is, I mean, I've been to mustard shops in France, uh, all over New York, uh, really uh, around the world, and nobody sells more different mustards than the Mustard Museum gift shop. So uh, that's something we're very proud of, and we work closely with the gift shop. Uh, to bring must, uh, people, visitors, to Middleton, Wisconsin, uh, which is, of course, now the mustard capital of the world. In terms of the museum, they're not open for tasting, the ones in the museum. In the gift shop, there is at least selective tasting uh, available. Uh, how do mustard, uh, How is it that mustards come to be in the museum? Well, if it's a different mustard from anywhere around the world, um, we'll take it. And many of them, many of them are works of art, we think, because uh, especially in the past. Now, today, most mustards are sold in plastic, you know, and you can understand why. Uh, it's lighter for shipping purposes. They don't break as easily as glass jars. But I think the real the glass uh, mar jars of mustard uh, have presented some great opportunities for creativity, uh, for great artwork. Uh, and that's, um, th that's why I think people are drawn to the museum collection, where they can see, you know, what is it that you'll see from a mustard from perhaps Azerbaijan. And we do have mustard. It's not just the uh, ambassador. Um, so we've got mustards really from all over the world. Uh, I'm looking through the book. I mean, we've got mustard from A to Z, from Algeria, from Zanzibar, a mustard from Argentina, Australia, Austria, Azerbaijan, Belgium, Bermuda, Bolivia, Brazil, Bulgaria, Canada, of course, uh, Chile, China. We've got mustard from Colombia, from Costa Rica, from Croatia, from Cuba. Mustard really from everywhere, from the Czech Republic, from Denmark, from Egypt, from Israel, uh, from England, of course, from Hong Kong, from Hungary, uh, because it's, um, it's virtually, it, it's almost universal, uh, because the mustard seed grows just about everywhere. So unlike uh, 
certain spices that were very expensive and very difficult to find. Uh, the mustard seed was something that was fairly common, so uh, anyone could, could afford to get mustard. Uh, people sometimes say, well, where did the first mustard come from? Good question. And we know that the ancient Egyptians would chew mustard seeds, uh, and they, they would chew them uh, because mustard seeds are inert unless you combine the innards of the mustard seed, and they're tiny seeds, unless you combine them with some kind of liquid. And just by chewing them, you create a chemical reaction, and you get that nice heat. We know that the uh, ancient Romans were using mustard seeds in some of their sauces, but we know that also uh, in Dijon, France, and of course everyone's heard of Dijon mustard, it's a wonderful little city, uh, just uh, southeast of Paris, uh, about three hours away. Uh, we know that they were making, the monks in Dijon were making mustard pretty much as we know it today back in the 13th century. So um, we know it goes back at least that far. Uh, and then, of course, it spread to Germany, to England, really uh, all over the world. And then, of course, it came to the New World as well from all the settlers. So it's, uh, it, it's sometimes called the spice of nations. And we, we provide uh, recipes for people. So how to use mustard. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is combine mustard with a cream sauce and to create a mustard cream sauce. All you have to do is reduce the cream over high heat till it's nice and thick. Then off the heat, stir in some Dijon mustard and you've got a mustard cream sauce. Very easy. Uh, very elegant, uh, very gourmet, if you will. So that's uh, that's what we do. They're they're not orchards. They're, they they kind of grow like wheat, uh, or more like um, canola uh, or rapeseed. Uh, so it it's it, it's not really a tree. You will find wild mustard seed growing, and farmers in Wisconsin think of it as a weed. But, you know, ask yourself, what's a weed? Well, it's just a plant out of place. It's one that you don't want. Uh, a lot of the mustard seed that is harvested for the condiment mustard comes from Canada. Canada is actually has the, the prairie provinces of Canada, Saskatchewan especially, uh, is ideally situated uh, for its climate uh, with, with uh, a short growing season but very long days uh, up there. So you'll also find some grown in uh, the northern states as well to Montana, Idaho, uh, a little bit in Oregon, I think. Uh, but, uh, Wisconsin, even though it has uh, several great mustard companies, you know, I can think of East Shore Mustard, a very small, uh, a smaller company, uh, Silver Spring Mustard, uh, Wisconsin Spice. You know, there are definitely mustard companies uh, here, uh, but they don't, know, they don't grow uh, their own mustard as well, their own mustard seeds as well. So it's, it's something that, um, you know, we're, we're proud that uh, Wisconsin has some mustard, but unfortunately we don't grow it. And it really makes, even in, in France, where they used to grow a lot of mustard seed, mustard, uh, it just doesn't make sense. A lot of it uh, comes from Eastern Europe. They do grow a little bit, so they can call it 
real Burgundian mustard. It's actually grown in the Burgundian er- the, the area, which is associated with Burgundy, which is the Dijon area. Uh, and if it is use if it uses mustard seed grown there, it can be called Moutard de Bourgogne. Um, otherwise, uh, they import their mustard seed because it makes no sense because other crops which will bring a higher price uh, are better suited to the Dijon area. Uh, we have an accordion who an accordion player who comes in occasionally. Uh, in fact, I uh, recorded or, or I played uh, with Trisha Stone, who was our accordion player, uh, at National Mustard Day. Uh, we played some songs um, together, and you can find if you go on YouTube, uh, just search for "Blue Mustard on My Hot Dogs." It's a song I wrote. Uh, and recorded uh, just a few weeks ago on YouTube. So uh, it's kind of a a country-western song, uh, and we'll leave it at that. 